Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to this week's Man in the Post. Uh, my name is Chris and with me I have got Adam. Hello. And I have also got Mark. Hello. We will be getting Colin and this week we should be talking about the uh, Premier League, which we're talking of some transfer gossip and how do you solve a problem like either. Um, but first of all, I want to say I've joined the 21st century and I've got myself an HD TV. Um, Congratulations. Literally about, what's that, about 10 years after they stopped making non-HD TVs? Well, I've always had a HD-ready TV, but I've never actually used it, and I'm a little disappointed. Because, I don't know if you're the same, Mark, but if you ever remember a black and white telly, mm-hmm. uh, and then watching a colour TV, all of a sudden, if you just got HD, it just like, looks like someone's just turned the contrast up a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, the next step is, and, and I don't know if it's how new it is, but I noticed that uh, the other day... The BT have got Ultra HD, and I'm thinking, how much better can it get than HD? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I remember a while ago when um, when the iPhone 4 came out, and that Apple said it had more pixels than the human eye could possibly see. And then now they're bringing out 4K screens. Mm-hmm. Somebody on seems my like... go on. I was going to say, it seems like they're just pay... they're just putting in extra pixels that are... they've already told us aren't needed. Somebody on my Twitter is absolutely convinced they've turned down the normal HD to make their ultra HD look amazing. That, that was my suspicion that they'd just gone to make it the 720, and then their their ultra HD is is the 1080, which is what I imagine most HD is really. Mm. But then, um, have you watched any Formula One with it yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I've only well, I've watched the crime channel. Um, there was a bloke on that whose eyes were quite blue. <laughs> um, I, I think it's when you watch things like Formula One and you can see all, all the all the little bits of rubber on the side of the track, and you think, "How did I not see them for the last twenty years?" Yeah, you see, I watched the PSG game last night, and they were playing against a team who were very, very red, um, Ajaxio, and it was. It was quite an assault on your senses. I am missing the does, normal TV a little bit. It does make you thankful that HD wasn't around when Christian Zeger was still playing, though. <laughs> you see every little pit in his face. I wouldn't think it'd be little in HD. <laughs> well, Stan Wawrinka must get the same thing watching him in tennis. Yeah. Um, Standard definition was a good time for Luke Chadwick to be alive. I'm convinced he's here. he's had plastic surgery in the last few years. Yeah, he doesn't look the same, does he? He doesn't look the same. I'm yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm sure he's um He just had to grow into his good looks, guys. His 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 chin needed to catch up with the rest of his face, is that what <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you're with us. I am. Hi there guys. We're just talking about the benefits of H D T V. We just filled. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's good, isn't it? No. It's all right. It's not what I was expecting. Have we started? Oh, we're recording, yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Chris has been pining for the days of his top load of vid- Ferguson video star <laughs> and portable black and white TV. <laughs> With a little aerial, round aerial on the top. My car's still got a coat hanger stuck on the front of it. It's just, um, I don't know, I was kind of expecting something a little bit more than just bright colours, or really, really bright colours. But to be fair, Chris, if you'd maybe got it ten years ago when everyone else did, and your vision was a bit better. <laughs> That's it, I'm getting old, is that what it is? I'm saying that the eyes are deteriorating as fast as the television's improving. Well, I went to, say, I went to expect, say, six months ago, and he told me I got twenty twenty vision. And why would they lie to you? They want to sell you glasses. Well, <laughs> But everything you, do, you can have better than twenty twenty vision. Take it from an expert. I found that out the hard. I, that was like a crushing blow when I learned that, Mark. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we can. You and I are, are possible to have uh, in American terminology twenty twelve vision, which is whatever normal people can see at twelve yards, you can see at twenty yards. The Mayans had twenty twelve vision. That's not so impressive. No. Um. Anyway. Back to the world of football. Well, I mean, HD giving the chance to see you right in the match of the day so far. That was always a pleasure. Um, but, should we start at the Etihad? Manchester City 3, Chelsea 0. Aguero, company and uh, and Fernandinho. Um, Begovic and Aguero seems to be having their own sort of Wild West style duel at the start, didn't they? That was quite interesting. I, I referred to it on um, the sports show as a boxing match that Begovic was winning on points until... Aguero knocked him out. Yes, I think that's probably quite fair. I mean, they had a little high five between themselves at one point, didn't they? Yeah, a little touch of gloves. Yeah, yeah, like a little... Like, like, fist a, pump. like an England batting partnership. Yeah. A little sort of fist pump there. Um, it, it was good of the Chelsea defence to sit back and let the pair of them just duke it out. It was. <laughs> they were just enjoying their front row seat, Mark. They didn't want to get in the way of that. That first well, minute take... um, through ball from Silva... Oh, that's beautiful, wasn't it? It deserved a goal. Mm. I mean, I watched the highlights on Match of the Day too, and I don't think they showed Joe Hart till the second half. Um, I'm trying to think if I can remember him doing an awful lot. I watched the whole game, and uh, <laughs> they might have shown him just as much in the whole game as well. I mean, you suppose you think at the moment he wants to keep his profile a bit low. <laughs> I remember him giving Mangala a pep talk as the second half started, as in, you know, we're, we're winning here, we're cruising. Don't you start playing like you normally do and screw it up for us. And I remember that as well, because he just sort of turned to him. And it's, it's almost like nodding and agreeing, wasn't it? Yeah, like, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're spot on. That's exactly what I do, and I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> um, City knew they had to score first, because every time these two played each other recently, Chelsea have scored and parked the bus, or played for a, a draw and parked the bus. So it was imperative that City had to score first, wasn't it? Um, I don't know when you see... When he's playing... Whenever he plays Fabregas deeper, I don't think that he's ever you ever have to feel that you have to score first. No. Whatever, because... Fabregas just show, showed what people have long said about it. He just doesn't want to defend. Yeah, he wants to. Um, he wants to advance, advance and pass that bit more, doesn't he? 
it, uh, David Silva was just just positioned himself just five yards away from him. Mm. Yeah, that's what he needs to do. And Mourinho is such a stickler for tactics and people keep it in their spot that it's easy to find that space, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was bizarre that he didn't play Ramirez there. Uh, I heard I was listening to something before the match saying that um, Sterling was obviously going to give one of the fullbacks, probably Ivanovic, a hard time. So Ramirez is there as extra help. But but William will do that. Yeah. Ramirez is um, Mourinho's G-Sung Park, though, isn't he? He always plays in the big games. Yes. And when you say it like that, that's a very good um, comparison, I think, Mark, because that's how Ferguson used to use Park as well, wasn't it? He used to use him as a defensive attacking player. Yeah. Well, you remember the Champions League uh, quarter-final against Arsenal at the Emirates? He picked Jason Park for that exact same reason, yet he scored the first goal. Mm. If he was going to waste a player on the game on um, yesterday for to mark Silver out the game, he could have stuck Mikel in there as a you know as a body just to occupy space. Mm. Mirrors and playing him wide was a you know fairly useless tactic. Which you think would be a job that that um, Mikel could do as well because. Um, David Silva's not going to run away from anybody. Mm. Uh, Mourinho called this a fake result, and I think one of his reasons behind that was because he thought Fernandinho shouldn't be on the pitch to score a goal. Um, his elbow on Costa. Was it a red card? Uh, I don't think so. No. What do you two guys think? Uh, I don't think so, but if he'd been given red, you wouldn't be shocked the way the, way the game is these days, but I don't personally think he went in to to get Costa. If he did, he hit it well. Hmm. I mean, and if, as he's doing it on Diego Costa, do you not think Mourinho might think that that's maybe a moment to keep his mouth shut? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Costa didn't appear too happy as he walked off the pitch either. Well, he should have spent more of his time trying to play like Aguero than trying to get free kicks and trying to, you know, dig people out throughout the whole game. You know, that's that's Diego Costa's downfall in these yeah. situations. Uh, Terry sub. Because Mourinho said he wanted to play a higher line in the second half. Is this the beginning and the end of him, or is it we just reading a bit too much into it? No, I think it's. I think he's. I think he's a ticking time bomb. A ticking time bomb. Wow, that's a, a yeah, poor analogy, a poor tenor phrase there. <laughs> you seen the news today? Have you? No, I haven't. All right. <laughs> is it even worse? Is it even worse tenor phrase? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> We'll move on quickly from that. He's a <laughs> he's a what? He's not a ticking time bomb. He's a accident waiting to happen. Um, oh, I think more is I just think he's um, he's a, maybe he's approaching the end of his shelf life. That's fair enough. I should imagine. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's, it's funny we've seen it before where you know you get the older players like Gerard from a few years ago, and there've been others who have their best season when they're about thirty three, thirty four. And then all of a sudden they go off the cliffs the, the immediate season after, and the legs they don't gradually decline; they go immediately. We haven't okay; it's one game, but perhaps that's what's happening to Terry here. Well, what I was saying when Ross and I were talking briefly about this on um, on the sports show yesterday was that um, that when these players take a break, and Mourinho made a big deal about them wanting to have a month off, that in that time they're rightly going to let some of their conditioning go because they're going to have a holiday. They've just had a hard season. They need to do that relaxing, and they, then they need to work to get their way back. But there's going to come, come a point where sometimes it might be when you've got it, it's easy to, easier to keep it, but getting it back is just a step too far. 
I think I think I think I think Terry's a bit unfortunate in this circumstance that he's the fall guy for the first half performance yesterday, when actually that entire back four were terrible. Ivanovic was getting the run around, Cahill was all over the place, as Piliqueta wasn't any better. But maybe Terry uh, Mourinho is thinking, well, Terry can handle it if I take him off and we do something different. He's big enough and ugly enough to to accept that, to set responsibility or the blame, if you like. Mm. But also, it's something that Sunes said after the game yesterday on Sky. And, uh, you know, you think, well, maybe it's a bit far-fetched. But perhaps there is some calculation of what Mourinho did by taking him off, suggesting to the manager or, or the board, uh, the, the chairman, sorry, and the board, um, you know, look, look, we, we need to get some reinforcements in here quick. Obviously, thinking of the John Stones um, transfer that keeps rumbling on. Well, they just but that's, one, they? That suggests that at what would have only been 2-0 down when <clears throat> Jose was throwing in the towel, though. I know, that's why I was thinking it may be a bit far-fetched, but whether he calculated it in the first place or he's thinking of it now in that way, who knows? But I just do think that Terry was perhaps thrown under the bus a little bit yesterday for what was a shocking defensive performance by Chelsea in the first half. Colin, you're a big um, England fan. Is this any way to treat our former glorious captain? No, I, I I agree more with what Mark's saying than than Adam on this. I I don't think John Terry's going. Everybody wrote him off years ago, and then all of a sudden, like years later, he's like in in everybody's team of the year, you know, for last season. So I he's still good enough. Um, we, we heard it all before with Frank Lampard at Chelsea as well. Um, but I do think Jose's playing games, and I'm not sure if he's playing very clever ones. Um, but I think there's something there's something going on with Jose. I don't, I don't know if any of you guys think that. he's He had a nibble at Arsene Wenger at the start of the season, before the start of the season. Obviously, there's Dr. Eva Gate. Um, and now it's a fake result, and his captain gets subbed. It's odd to sub your captain. Really odd. Personally, um, I think he started the whole... Um, doctor thing as some kind of distraction, and of course it's built. It's, it, he's sort of lost control of the story, and it's. Um, it's I don't think bit, he did. You think he did it on purpose? Did you try? I think to... he did it on purpose. I think he. Was, I think. I think he's made himself look stupid. I oh, think yeah. that. He, yep. I think that he's. Um, you you can almost say he's maybe slightly unfortunate as well because um, he has been saying, I would say with with very little grounds for it throughout the sort of pre-season and so forth that the medical team you're looking at seem to seem to forget that as far as I, I my understanding is that actually Chelsea had one of the best the best injury records of, of any team in the Premier League last season well Costa's injury was pre-existing Chelsea wasn't it well exactly yes and that seems to be what his issue is about but then so then I think he's seen this as a a, um, a chance to to have an attack and he's just made him uh, initially I was of the opinion of you guys I listened to um to the podcast uh, that you recorded on Monday last Monday on Thursday and by then we, we obviously knew a little bit more because but initially on that Monday if I'd been there with you I'd have been agreeing with you guys saying that there's every chance he's gone and spoken to them and told them look guys I'm gonna slag you off but but it's fine I don't mean it but as it just went on and on and his his refusal to to apologise. These people are healthcare professionals. who have got a, a job to do. Mm. They've all signed the Hippocratic oath, and you know their jobs to look after the players, isn't it? 
Yeah, as I as again, as, uh, I don't enjoy very much repeating myself here, but as I said to Ross, I, I don't know what the situation would be, but there's a chance, that potentially, that if she, if uh, um, Eva had refused to go on the pitch, that she could have been up there with, what, being in front of the General Medical Council. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the other thing I'd say is that I just think there's something not right with Jose at the moment, and... He looks in that mood where he'll try and pick a fight wherever he can, and those seem to. Yeah. Sometimes that's the time when you think that he's not long left for this this parish. Well, the the thing is, is that normally we we all know his game. He deflects criticism. So Chelsea do badly. It's someone else's fault, right? It, it, he always makes excuses. Fine, it, it, but normally he does it very cleverly. This time it's backfired on him because he's looked an idiot. And and the other thing is, is I don't think that Jose stayed in the job more than three years. Mm. No, what, no, nowhere. And, and what year is he in now at Chelsea? His third year. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just think if anybody's going to derail the train that Chelsea is, because they were immense last year, I think the, the thing that would most likely derail them would be Jose doing that himself. Okay. Does I, anyone I else? Does I, anyone else think that he can sit there and try and make? He, even I do think that it's the media trying to put a spin on something that isn't there. But if he is trying to make this this masterstroke of a political point to Abramovich about needing players, that Abramovich should just turn around and say, "Well, hold on a minute. Maybe if you didn't spend all this money on on players that I've bought you who haven't even used, like Salah and Quadrado, hmm. then maybe we, we maybe we'd have that money to buy you the central defender you want." Yeah, maybe, um, the, maybe this is the issue. You know, maybe he's been to Abramovich in the summer and said, "Look, we need eighty million, hundred million pounds to to revamp the, the team because of a couple of crappy signings in the past, and Terry's legs are going, and so on and so on." And Abramovich more wary these days that Chelsea are of financial fair play and balancing the books. Abramovich, Abramovich has said, "No, there just isn't that money there for you." And perhaps he's gone and spat the dummy, and that's where this. That was the root cause of where, where we are now with, with Mourinho. Well, you know what I think it is? It's John Stones, right? When Chelsea said, right, they're, they're coming in for John Stones, and then Gary Cahill was saying, oh, he's got to do it for his career and everything like this, and the money that was being quoted, everybody thought it would be a done deal soon, and it hasn't. And to be fair to Martinez, he's dug his heels in, and he said, no, bollocks, you're not going to get him. Go away. I don't care how much it is. And and now Jose's, I think he's, his nose has been put out of joint because he probably maybe thought, hey, you know, Abramovich, just just throw silly money at Everton to get him. And he's probably said, no, not going to go for him. Well, as much as we'd like to talk about Jose all night, I'm afraid we have to move on. Um, the other game yesterday was a good one as well, wasn't it? Palace 1, Arsenal 2. A uh, lovely little scissory, bicycly kick from Giroud. Um, it was behind him, wasn't it, at one point, the ball, as it came into him, so he had to sort of lean back to, to volley it. Um, anybody see this game? Arsenal look fantastic on the break, don't they? They do, but is this, is this the same thing with Arsenal? You know, can, can be... Well, they, they had to be great after the first match, didn't they? Losing at home against West Ham. Well, this was a, um, a potential banana skin, wasn't it? And after their start, like you say, after their start last week... People saying, oh, they're away at Palace, and you know the, the ground's small at Palace, and all this sort of fans are on top of you. Um, but were they lucky to still have Coughlin on the pitch? If he'd been sent off, it could have been a lot different. Yeah, it, it, it could have been. Um, after the match, Pardew was saying, 
yeah, it would have made a real difference. Wenger said he, he'd need to see it a few more times because he, he didn't really see it. Um, I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, he didn't get sent off. Um, and I think Pardew got it right when he just said that we were just coming up against a wounded animal mm. that just had to go all out to get the win today. Um, and I don't think Pardew was that sad. At, you know, obviously he wanted to get something out of the game, but I think he was still happy with the way his players played. I did get annoyed by one thing in this game. Um, on. Jonathan Pierce and his pronunciation of Carzoli. Uh, you know, he pronounces the th in Carzoli instead of the z, trying to sound all poncy and foreign and hipster. And it annoys me because he does it with Carzoli, but he won't Germanicise Mertesacker or um, Welshify Ramsey into some big deep valleys voice. He's trying to sound all sort of exotic with Corzola and he won't do it with the others. And it's just it just got my goat last night. I don't know why. What does he say for Murtazaka? Just says Murtazaka. He won't sort that's, of That's his name. Yeah, but he won't go Murtazaka. <laughs> he won't say it in a German accent. He'll just Is say Murtazaka? <laughs> exactly. But, he won't and do there's, that. A, there's a difference between pronouncing the letters right and adding an accent. <laughs> do you, don't you know the golden rule of German? You say it as it looks. Simple. So he's got it right. It's Murtazaka. Uh, yeah, but he was he was he was trying the th in Corzola. And if I, I found it a bit annoying, he was doing it with that, but not doing it with others. Think so. Maybe he thinks that's his ultimate selling point: his USP. Yeah. You know, his his pronunciation of certain players. He never had this. Pro- he never had this problem with Sakil a lot. <laughs> that's one for the teenagers, isn't it? <laughs> I just, I just, I just remember what you were talking about there, Adam. <laughs> well, if someone in the Premier League ever signs McTarian, I can't wait to see his pronunciation of that. Um, Friday, Aston Villa nil, Manchester United one. Uh, West Midlands, please move this match from the uh, Saturday to Friday, so the Villa fans can go on the EDL march in Walsall the next day. Um, ah, oh, stealing other people's jokes there, Chris. Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you mean. Listen, you try bloody writing this thing at five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Colin. Colin, because right, the football rambler are recorded now, so they can't steal this. I don't oh, listen jolly, to football good. I don't listen. Are they stolen stuff from us? Are they? Go on, Adam. Uh, this is just a little little joke Colin and I were having about a, a lot of things that Colin has said, and that now the football ramble are banging the drum. Like Colin two years ago claiming that Pardew was going to be the next England manager. Wow, Colin, you're like some kind of Gandalf podcast. What you should what you should do, Colin, is drop drop something absolutely ridiculous in there and see what happens. Like Pardew becoming the next England manager, perhaps. <laughs> Did you not hear his um, his predictions for Liverpool? <laughs> ah, but you only have to look at some of the Liverpool supporters forums to know that that's not an original prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Meltdown is one of my favourite Twitter follows. Uh, it's first time, well, no, it's not the first time. Villa haven't won at home uh, against Manchester United since 1995. Anyone remember why that game was famous? Um, oh, the reason I was about to say, I just realised it was against Southampton. So it's not that. No. Uh, it was the opening day of the season, and on match of the day that night, Alan Hansen said you couldn't win anything with Ah, yes. There you go. Um... Wayne Rooney's first touch in the opposition box came in the 93rd minute, and he's not had an away goal since November last year. He, um, 
It came in for a bit of stick after this game from some United fans on Twitter. We deserved it. It was terrible. We said captain. He's well, undroppable, according to Van Gaal. It's still terrible. Yeah, he, he always comes back from pre-season looking a bit chunky. That's exactly what I think it is, Colin. Yeah. If he, he doesn't just... get any, if he doesn't get any better. They're short of options up front. No, but the thing, the thing is, he will get better. It's just what Wayne Rooney does. It's not right, but. Well, no, yeah. I mean, it's just he, that's, he's just got to run it off a bit. I think. This is going, I don't even. I just. It's just a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily all that, Colin. Because I, while I don't disagree with you, because that if he's carrying a couple of extra pounds, that's not going to make his touch look like he's put the wrong type of magnet in the football. It's just bouncing off him instead. But he, um, he just looks it's, ring rusty. He's unprofessional, it, if anything else. It, he saves that magnet trick for World Cup competitions. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's unprofessional, if anything else, isn't it? Because if he costs them points at the start of the season because he's out of touch, then they might need those points come the end of the season. Yeah, but I think, as I've said in, in a previous podcast, they're knackered without him. So whether he's running cold at the moment rather than hot, it doesn't mm. really matter. You, you just got to stick with the guy, haven't you? It's not unprofessional if it's form. If it's... And I, I do have a feeling that if he was overweight, then Van Gaal would not uh, would not be afraid to chew him out over it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, I'm probably doing him a disservice here. I mean, I'm not his biggest fan anyway, but I'm not saying you know he's, he's overweight. I'm just saying that it's just what often happens. You know, start of the season, it takes him a while to get back into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that not what pre-seasons for? Yeah, but Manchester United have so many Mickey Mouse pre-seasons, you know, just to sell shirts. That how, how, I don't know how worthwhile, how much value they add, to be honest. Okay. Uh, right, well, let's see what hidden jokes I've nicked from elsewhere I can get in the rest of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to St Mary's. Right, what do we talk about here? Do we talk about the plane, or do we talk about Lukaku, or do we talk about the kit? I, I say we do all three. Go on, then. Well, I really, really like the kit. What do you think about the kit, Mark? Um, apart from the black band around the bottom of it, um, I actually don't mind. But I mean, come on, I've seen you've seen worse before. Anything that's a luminous for a start beats that, <laughs> or has a deep V in the neck. <laughs> yeah, shows a little too much man glue. <laughs> <laughs> bit too much. Bit too Geordie Shaw night out. We do. We, we ever like to take a risk with their kits? <laughs> yeah. um, the plane flying. Do they feel a bit silly afterwards? You reckon? No, no, the people who are responsible for it are not remorse, uh, don't show any remorse at all for it. Um, they they see it as justified because what it's done in the last few days is it's highlighted their cause or the, the whole Ken Wright and the board out thing. It's brought it to the media attention. It's been on TalkSport and it's been on... But this, that's happened before the, the plane, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's ramped up more now. And it, what, they, what their um, intention is... It's because the media are a little bit wrapped up in this whole Bill Kenwright's a nice guy thing, which, you know, he is. I'm, I'm not going to... I don't think any Evertonian could say otherwise. Is that the, him and the rest of the board have basically criminally under-invested under at Everton for the 16 years that they've been there. But because the media are, uh, seem to be quite happy not to ask questions. If that had been at Tottenham or Arsenal where this, a similar situation had occurred, then... The media would have been all over it, but because Kenwright is a, a nice guy and a nice face of it, they kind of give him a free ride for that. 
So I think that's what the people who were involved wanted, is now for the media to question, well, why are these Evertonians who should be happy with punching above their weight, which is nonsense, of course, um, why should they be complaining about good old Bill Kenwright and pals, you know? But you could be so about to make a £37 million pound profit on Stones. Where do, you, where do you stand on the issue, Mark? Of, of the board? Yeah. Oh, of the board, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's time that they either put some put some investment into the, the club and the whole. I don't just mean players. I mean, Goodison Park is going to fall down any minute. Um, and three stadium moves have fallen through. You will not find an Everton kit or merchandise outside of the club shops or um, online, uh, which, you know, doesn't help brand profile and all that kind of thing. And we're not talking about a, a middle-of-the-road big club. You're talking about the fourth most successful club in English football history. You know, you're not who have regularly challenged for trophies over time, but haven't won a trophy for 20 years now and not even look close to it. So I, I, I do think it's either they, they sold up and let somebody better come in and do a job. But surely or they someone would have, if someone's better out there that wants to buy Everton, they would have tried by now. Well, the, the other issue is this. They've made the club so unappealing to invest. And this is another issue people have got. It's because Everton have got no assets except the players. Goodison Park is mortgaged to the hilt. They don't own the training ground. They've got the business equivalent of payday loans. They've mortgaged everything against future season ticket and TV money sales. So Everton have got nothing to make them appealing. Also, they're in, they're in roughly still 30 or £40 million pounds worth of debt and need to raise a significant amount of money for their share of any new stadium, which will cost 250 to £300 million. Pounds. So who is going to come in and pay £150 million pounds for that just to take on a company with no assets, with thirty million pounds worth of debt, and in dire need of a new head office. If you're thinking about it that way, but you've got—I mean, you shelled out twenty-eight million on Lukaku last season. That shows a willingness to invest. You've got Coleman. Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, where did that twenty-eight million pounds come from? It came from the twenty-seven million pounds we got from Marwan Fellaini. Okay, okay, so but, that, but then got, think about what you're asking for, because what you're then asking for is someone to come and buy the club and lose lots of money. Which is exactly, but, but. The, the current board have not made it, and everybody who comes into a football club knows they're going to lose money. It, most of these clubs are vanity projects, Manchester City and Chelsea being the prime example. But you cannot bring you cannot bring somebody into the club if you make it financially unappealing in the first place. Let alone the money you've got to then shell into it. You know, not everybody is going to be able to find uh, uh, an oil-rich Abu Dhabi state or some dodgy Russian oil baron who made his money through very dubious means in the 1990s who needs to get out of, get his money out of Russia. So what so, do you want then? Well, that, what people want, nobody's or expecting the earth and to suddenly become Chelsea or Manchester City. People just want, the, we want, we want some new facilities. We want the club to look like they've got some ambition. You know, nobody expects us to, to win the league every season, but to at least give it a go. But how is not, how is signing... How is spending that money on Lukaku not showing ambition? I don't. No, no, I'm not saying that that's not showing ambition, but you'd get a lot. The net spend in the 16 years, and I heard this on Talksport this morning, but I've worked it out before from when David Moyes was in charge. The net spend is about two million pounds per year for 16 years. That's not even championship level investment in in a team. But it's not only about the team; it's about the club as a whole. There are much smaller clubs have got new season things. But hold on, T- Tottenham's net, net spend is um, is negative. 
Um, it's positive, sorry. So, so I don't, net spend figures can get get thrown around as a sign of a sign of lack of investment, but they could also be thrown around as, sh- as shown as a sign of brilliant recruitment. Yeah, brilliant recruitment, and we've done some great recruitment over our time as well. But we've only we've had to sell to buy always. You know, a bit of uh, the, the you know clubs like Arsenal and Spurs are also invest have invested or are investing also in new facilities for the supporters. But you're not Arsenal or Spurs, are you? With the best will in the world. I mean, you, you, you could be Spurs, but you're definitely not Arsenal. Liverpool aren't Arsenal. Ah, no, no, we're but, not. We've got, we've, we're, one of the, we're one of the clubs, like Spurs, actually, who got left behind because we under-invested in the club, the brand, or whatever else you want to call it. And that's, what, 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 that's not necessarily my opinion. It is my opinion, but even if it wasn't, that's the opinion of the people who flew the plane. And that's you know what us talking about it has their their purpose has been served by us and everybody else talking about the whole situation. I mean, to be fair to Ken, right? If you want to go back far enough, then you've got Everton winning the league in the eighties, unable to defend that, um, unable to compete in the European Cup because of the Heysel ban, and then you've then got the brand of the Premier League coming along and Manchester United winning and. And it all steamrolling on from there. Everton, a little bit, of, or Ken, right, is maybe a victim of that to some extent. Um, I think it's about time we stopped blaming Heisel for Everton's problems. As you said, it didn't it didn't hinder Manchester United any longer than the ban was up. Hmm. You know, we should stop, we should stop using that as an excuse. Let, let's Manchester... actually look forward, not back at, at Heisel. But let's not. I'd... No, no club should be comparing themselves to Manchester United in the Premier League era, because frankly, when the when the Premier League started, Manchester United were were ahead of the game. They they saw things and were doing things that no other club were doing in term, commercially, and they had one of the greatest managers of all time. Okay. Um. Again, we're going to have to move on, unfortunately, because we've still got seven. What? Just, just very quickly, what, what's your opinion, Adam, as, a, as another Evertonian? What, 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 what do you see as the way forward for Everton? Um, I would say that I was, I was more intrigued to know your opinion because you're obviously a lot closer to the situation than I am. And I struggle to... I think it's one of those things that it's very difficult to understand to get a full picture of the situation because I don't, I find it's very difficult to find people reporting on it from a very, any neutral sort of position. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, am closer to the idea of thinking that, that while it's difficult to argue, I, I, I'm not going to argue with a, a lot of your points that I kind of think that more towards what Chris is saying about things being maybe a, um, a sad indictment of maybe perhaps what football is nowadays, and actually maybe the change should be that football should tr- maybe come closer to how Everton's run. Yeah, and that... that I'm afraid I'm you, guys, not... you guys are going to have to get a room and, and sort this out between yourselves, because we've got to get on with all these other games, I'm afraid. Chris has got an iron fist here. No, Ross is going to tell me off. <laughs> I will just say, I, don't, I didn't agree with the playing thing. I think that looks like shit, but there we go. Yeah, We, we can always do... Everton extra time at the end because I've got a lot of points I would like to make as well but we could leave it till the end and have a little extra chat go on then we'll do that shall we till then we've got Spurs 2 Stoke 2 now Spurs were 2-0 up with, with uh, 12 minutes left weren't they um, and Stephen Ireland super sub came on 
Two goals from Onortovic and Juff, and uh, it's the first time in 74 games that Spurs haven't won at White Hart Lane when 2 0 up. And Jack Butland was also having a bit of a Begovic game as well. Um, Watford nil, West Brom nil. I, yeah, that was a bit meh, wasn't it? That was the last one on match of the day, wasn't it? I don't think anybody stayed awake for that one, did they? I like to fast forward through the punditry, and I think I carried on fast forwarding through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Swansea 2, Newcastle 0. Gomez and Ayu again. Um, Ayu scored 9 in his last 15 games. Gomez has got 7 in his last 8. Um, Gary Monk, for a man that looks like a car showroom salesman, he's a hell of a manager, isn't he? He could be making Colin look like a right mug by getting the England job. What did Colin say? Well, Pardew, come on. Oh, Pardew. I'm, I'm still confident on that. Still confident. That's when I declare my Irish father when uh, Alan Pardy becomes the England manager. Hey, and, I'm, and, I, and I'm still confident on my berating of McLaren as well. Yes, I've you not, are, I have, yeah. I have not seen anything to make me change my mind that Newcastle are in trouble this year. Yeah. I just want to say that my favourite part of this game was Jan Matt's second yellow card. Yes, where he pulled him back. So easily a yellow card that you'd see a referee not give. Yeah. And I was absolutely spitting just absolute bile, uh, absolute bile at the TV when they ha- B- B- BT Sport had Howard Webb mouthing off about how a second yellow card really needs to have to be a second yellow card during the Everton game. <laughs> yes, I saw your tweet on that. <laughs> Completely ignoring the rules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of red cards, let's go to West Ham, shall we? West Ham won Leicester 2. Leicester were 2 and a look with this. Um, some of us, again, forgot about their fantasy team and left Mares on the bench. But we'll... Try not to mention that. Um, red card for Adrian at the end for his little foot up at the chest of, um, I think it was Vardy, but Schmeichel, Steve had a red card. This was where, um, was it Payet was running through on goal and he stuck his hand out and um, Schmeichel stuck his hand out and he fell over, didn't he? Um, I, I, I'm going to say no, but mainly because I think I've made my point about how much I hate the idea that you get a red card and you get a penalty. Yeah. And the tri- the it's, triple punishment. Yeah, the most ridiculous rule I've ever... There is in football. Okay. What about you two? But, Sorry, go on. But he does, he does do that weird... He does that sort of thing to, what that players do when they stick their hand out as if to say, I've not touched it. I've mm. not touched him. Before he'd even got to him. There's nothing as a referee that probably makes you think he's guilty more than a, refer- than a player doing that. Yes. Uh, what did you two guys think? I think for me, the, the only thing you can really take is that, you know, you just got to still look at Leicester and just sort of applaud them, really. I think we all had them down as sort of teams that have been the bottom three. But f- fair play to Ranieri. 28 points since April. Oh, well, it's... Give it time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you think um, it may, may be a little bit like Aston Villa's start last season? Remember when it started oh, to get yeah. some quite good points and then it just just fell away, didn't it? Well, I think it might be like one of those things where you can sort of carry on. The, given, when a new manager's given time to in, install his own ideas, and they're maybe not the best ideas. Mm. Um, it's, like, it's like letting Tim Sherwood buy his own players. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's bought Just Ed. I think Just Ed could be a hell of a buy. Well, for when they get when they go down. No, I think he could be quite. A, I think he could score some goals this season. Uh, well, if he can't if he can't score a goal against uh, against 
<laughs> Daily Blind, and what chances he got? Uh, well, I suppose so because he's scored most of his goals with his head, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> uh, since August 2010, Dimitri Payet has got 93 goals or assists, and it's, this is the most in the top five European leagues, and more four more than Özil and Mata. He's not a bad player, is he? Stretching it to five European leagues suggests you're trying to hide something in there. Well, he was playing in the fifth one. There we go. <laughs> and I'd say I'd say there's quite a drop off between the fourth and the fifth one. Which one's the fourth one? Probably Syria. There's a drop off there. Yeah. Is that like at the start of the first Gulf War? Iraq had the fourth largest army. Yes, the <laughs> the Bill Hicks joke. Yeah. You're at it again. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to vet you next week, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's twice you've caught me out. Uh, Mark, did you see this one? Um, no. No? I, you missed quite a good game on this one, I thought. And Azaki's goal was pretty good, didn't he? The first one. Um, yes, yes, it was very good. I liked that a lot. I... I, I it reminds me of something that I can't remember what it is, if, that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put your finger on it at the minute. Yeah. Um, who saw more of the Sunderland-Norwich games? Uh, us four or the people that are actually there? That, that, that number is about the same, is it not? <laughs> uh, Colin, your man for the season, Nathan Redmond, he scored uh, again. He scored five in his last six for Norwich. Did, did I say... We- Man for the season? Two years ago, um, he did. Yeah, two years. That's it. That's the fella. Yeah, he's, he's, it, it took him a little while to ripen. Mm. But um, yeah, it, look, it looks all right. He's a player, isn't he? So if the Football Ramble pick him as a player of the season in May, then again, we know that they'll be missing him. Sunderland look like they're just... Either they don't care or they just not learnt their lessons from last season. And I heard this on another podcast today, Adam. Um, they have the eighth highest wage bill in the Premier League. Oof. I heard that same podcast as well, and that was shocking. I think we listen to the same podcast, don't you? <laughs> we listen to the Bill Hicks football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Bill Hicks does, football ramble. The, yeah. one he does from, the one he does from Beyond the Grave. Yeah. <laughs> So, so who's on who's on the wages then? Apart, apart, I can I can understand Jermaine Defoe. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be on a huge wage, seventy grand a week, isn't he? Kabul, they just signed him. He'd be on a fair bit, wouldn't he? Mm. John O'Shea, John O'Shea, Wes, Wes Brown, Jackarini, Jackarini. Yeah, it must take a hell of a lot of money to get an Italian up to um, Sunderland. I should imagine. Larson. Yeah. Well, this is the thing Roy Keane said, wasn't he? He said when he was manager of Sunderland, it. it took a hell of a lot of convincing of not so much the players, but their wives to go to somewhere like Sunderland from abroad because foreign players, they want to live in London, don't they? Have you ever been to Sunderland? <laughs> no, I nearly went there for university. Am I missing some metropolis, am I? Um, I'll say that it's near Newcastle and that's about the best thing I would say about it. It's, there's nothing <laughs> about Sunderland. There's nothing... Bad. Let's put it that way. No, but, it wasn't. It wasn't about. I can understand I why why footballers' wives wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. My favorite. My favorite thing about Roy Keane and Sunderland is is his Robbie Savage anecdote. Yes. <laughs> that that was brilliant. <laughs> it was more the fact that I think it was just trying to get foreign players um, away from London. They're, they're obviously lured by the bright lights and all that sort of thing. So, but was... wasn't wasn't that even a problem that that um, Alex Ferguson <laughs> used to talk about? Yeah. 
about for Manchester United when they were at their absolute peak as well. Yeah. Well, Kevin Keegan got Rob Lee to sign for Newcastle because he told him that it was um, closer to London than Middlesbrough was. Mm. <laughs> and Rob Lee took him at his word. Uh, yeah, I mean, Sunderland, dead and buried. Norwich apparently haven't lost an away match under Alex Neal. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he's going to be a really good manager. You well, do, he already gets a good manager, but I think he's going to be really good. Um, right, well, I think that is that everyone doing the Premier League? I think we got there in the end, didn't we? Right, should we do a bit of transfer gossip, shall we? Uh, quick yay or nay to these. Uh, 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 David De Gea, um, will he or won't he? Won't he? You don't think so? He will. You think he will, Mark? What do you reckon? I think he won't. Um... I like your idea on the, on the sports show yesterday, Adam. But what you do if you read Woodward? What, about just stitching Real Madrid up? Yeah. How did you do that? My suggestion was that you wait until the window closes and then you offer David De Gea a contract that's so ludicrously large that he can't turn it down, along with a, a reasonable buyout clause in it of, say, £30 million pounds, so to tell him that he could go to Real Madrid if he wanted to but they've got to pay the money to show that they really want him. And then, obviously, by signing that contract, De Gea would potentially be losing money because, as a free agent, he could command a higher wage from, from Real Madrid in 12 months' time. But if Man United put him on somewhere in the region of 200 to 250k a week, he could use that as his bargaining chip with Madrid when negotiating his contract with them. There you go. You should be an agent. Well, get out, of my, get out of my grubby oil life into the world of football agency, where I can be nice and clean. I could see you being like Eric Hall. A big <laughs> cigar, going monster, monster. <laughs> um, Otamendi to Manchester City. This is instead of uh, Valencia giving Manchester City some cash for Negredo, they're going to give him Otamendi instead. This is a done deal, is it not? Is it? I believe so. Oh, this is quite exciting. Uh, Barry Hino to Spurs. That's I think that's done as well. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Uh, and two for you, uh, Adam and Mark. Yarmolenko to Everton. I would take that. I thought he looked very, very tasty the couple of times I saw him last season. Yeah, Adam? Yeah, yeah, agreed. And your John Stone's replacement is Ashley Williams of Swansea, who nearly killed Robin Van Persie. Um, not just for that, but I do like Ashley Williams, but I think he's... I think he's getting on a bit now. He isn't is. He? He's at least thirty. He's thirty, and I don't think Swansea would let him go. So I don't see that happening. No. Whether Stone, whether Stone stays or goes, I'm not convinced. I see Stones going. No, I don't think. I don't think he will now, but I think he will eventually. Do you know? I looked at him after the game, and you can always tell when a player's going because he'll do a little special applaud to the fans or something on his own, and there was none of that, was he? He was just part of the whole group that sort of went over and, and thanked the, the visiting fans. He didn't do yeah. anything untoward or throw his shirt or anything like that did he I think that um, well how toxic would the atmosphere be Mark if they sold John Stones now well I mean that anybody who was pro board before would probably their head would explode and those that aren't are anti board well you can you can imagine so yeah I don't think it's going to happen right now but Chelsea will just keep their money and bide their time the Game I'd got in mind was we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier on in the week. Is um, we're going to pick name, Premier League teams out of the hat week by week, and then we have to 
suck our pencils and come up with a, five, a Premier League era five-a-side team for uh, for that particular team. And we'll debate okay. it the following week. So uh, we pull names out of the hat and week by week by week we do all 20 Premier League teams and then once we've, got a, uh, we've agreed all all the five-a-side teams of those Premier League teams, we pull them out of the hat and have a little tournament against each other and eventually we get a winner. So, Most that, what type of hat it is that you've got? What type of hat? <laughs> yeah. It's a fez. Fez, oh, nice choice. Yeah, and I want you to do Tommy Cooper impressions while I do it. <laughs> well, you might be asking a bit too much. <laughs> so, if I put my hand into my hat, as it were, have a little rummage round, I will pull out a team, and I have got... Uh, I've got Everton. Well, it's a what fix. Are, what are the odds? About 19. If you've been doing it properly. I, I, what would you... I'm not... No kind of Blue Peter suggestion on here. No cheating. So, three of us, or the four of us, have got to uh, go away and come back next week with a five-a-side team for Everton. Feed, uh with Premier League players and we'll try and pull apart our five teams and uh, come to an agreement between us. Just to, clarif- just to clarify the game as a whole, mm. is the idea supposed to be about, about picking the player for their career who have played for, for Everton or for their time at Everton? For their time at Everton. So if you want, okay. you can have Thomas Rudzinski, if you want. He was only there for a little bit. But, but, but it'd be less likely to have Wayne Rooney, for example. If you so don't Ginola's like not, Ginola's not going to get picked, then is that what you're saying? If you want him in there, you can pick him in there. He doesn't have to not, spend not all his Everton career, no. No, you've got to pick him on his time at Everton. So same for Gaza, mm-hmm. for example, and even Rooney. Mm. All right. And even, Alex Ni- is. even Alex Nyarko, should you be uh, so inclined? <laughs> <laughs> Any questions on that one? I presume we, we definitely have to have uh, a goalkeeper in there, yeah? In these five? Yeah, no rushbacks. You have okay. to have a goalkeeper. Have you Just got one in mind, have you? Not yet. Well, well, well there's well, one that stands out, stands Le- out, isn't there? Leeds fan Colin, you've got one, and surely you've got a goalkeeper in mind. Have I? A goalkeeper that played for Leeds and Everton. And England, Colin. And England. Oh, oh well, I don't... Came from Colin. Great, great uh, goalkeeper, but he was glued to his line, so I wouldn't have him in a five-a-side team. <laughs> so we're going with a sort of a, a two defenders, two midfielders, and a striker. Yeah, yeah, go on, oh, we'll do that. A... That sounds about right, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you can have um, you can have rebounds off the wall if you want. Um, what about what about the head, the ball going above head height? Oh, that annoys me, that rule. So no. Well, it's a five-a-side not... rule. I, uh, it annoys me because I played five-a-side the other week and every time the ball deflected off my leg or something and bounced in the air, that was a foul. And it was just it wound me up. You mean every time your touch was as good as Wayne Rooney's on Friday? Well, pretty well, well no. I was, I was blocking a shot. So someone would shoot. It hit my leg and bounced in the air and uh, uh, so that was a foul. We used to play... Um, me and my, and my friends when we were at school, we used to play in our... In a five-a-side league at the local one to us, and when they had that head height rule, but we one of our players was six foot seven, or was five, six foot seven. Yes, but was, they didn't adjust the height for him. Yeah, exactly. That's my other point as well. Um, one of the because, guys in our team was about five foot two, and I'm six foot one. And I said, "Well, whose head are we playing to?" 
I, I just need to know the criteria here because it could it could really be the deciding factor as to whether I pick Brett Angel or not. Uh, no, I don't. I, I hate head height rules. So no, we're not going to have head height. And the goalkeepers roll it out as well if they want. So we can lump it up to Fellaini then. Yeah, if you want to. If you want Fellaini in your all-time Everton Premier League five-a-side team, you can do that. Fellaini, Ferguson, Brett Angel. <laughs> it's a technically gifted, gifted little side. This. <laughs> it's Phil Jagielka's birthday today. How old is he? Many happy returns. He's thirty-two, I think. He doesn't look thirty-two, does he? No. In fact, that you've just suggested who I might pick in goal. Phil Jagielka. Yeah. Has he been in goal, has he? When some someone's been sent off? He did for Sheffield United, I seem to remember. He did, didn't but he? He was, he was so good in goal that Warnock used to not pick a sub-goalkeeper. Oh, there you go. There's your, there's your goalkeeper pick. So, anyway, um, we're still recording, so I suppose I'd better wrap this up. Um, anyone want to say anything more on Everton? Speak now, forever hold your peace. Um, it was an excellent performance, one that was completely unexpected. It was very good, actually, and probably all the more annoying that you had the plane protest that day. It was it was much better than when I went to St Mary's and saw them play this last season, and we got beaten three 0 and didn't make a single substitution. Well, that was go. not a fun, that was not a fun day. They knew they had to make it up to you. They did, except I wasn't there this time. <laughs> Uh, okay, anybody got anything they want to declare or plug or talk about at all? Any other business? Any football pinks going, Mark? Yep, issue nine, out now. What do we get in there? What do we get for our two pounds? Three pounds. Three, three pounds, what do we get for our three pounds? Um, uh, a whole bunch of good reads. It'll keep you occupied on your summer holidays. Okay. I won't give too much away. Oh, okay. There we go. So um, you can order that from, is it footballpink.net? Correct. Thank you. They want to ask you any questions? How do they follow you on Twitter? Um, At the football pink. As long as it's not questions like where the babies come from. Do you know the answer to you? Um, I haven't got a clue. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, where do babies come from and what's your Twitter name? Two very different questions. (laughs) Uh, Adam SA101 Okay, Colin You've had children Surely you must know the answer to this um, Yeah, I'm just going to skip that uh, <laughs> um, I'm Cass707 And I would just add um, That Man on the Post is Award nominated um, By the UK Podcasters Awards um, So if you do like what we do um, search us out, just Google UK Podcasters Awards. Um, there's various different ways to, to vote for us. We're, we're up for the Sports and Recreation Podcast Award. Um, so, yeah, if you just want to go on there, um, you can vote either via email, Google, Facebook, etc. Um, all votes would be uh, extremely appreciated. What should we, we stick a... Against? Sorry, go on. Who are we up against? I don't know. They're not um, majorly sport-related, so I think the, the other two are in the, the, the recreation uh, section. I can quickly check. Where, who Gardening, dogging, that kind of thing. Gardening and dogging. 
<laughs> they come under the category of recreation, don't they? <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, so, and it's uh, it's based on a split vote. So it's fifty percent based on judges who are going to be listening to this, <laughs> and fifty uh, percent vote. Um, so obviously. Thank you, by the way, everybody, for your initial votes to get us into the the last three to be nominated in this section. Um, but we are up against Big Man in the Woods. That's dogging. I was right. I was then dogging. <laughs> and this could be anything. Downforceradio.co.uk. Mm. And he's got a Union Jack on his image. But, That's uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the, the blue's been replaced with green, and the background's black. So, mm. Mm. intriguing. Uh, in other unrelated news, Calvin Harris has just tweeted Zayn Malik and said, "At least I didn't do nine 11 <laughs> So it's a, it was one direction all along. One direction. One direction did nine eleven. Maybe that's why they threw him out. Possibly. There we go. Um. If you want to follow Man on the Post and uh, actually vote for us through the links on there, you can follow us at Man on the Post. Adam, you've got an article on there, haven't you, recently? Your trials and tribulations of fantasy football? I have, yeah. Ross keeps suggesting that it's advice, but it's not advice. What is it? Is it a plea for help? <laughs> no, it's just me sort of um, just talking through what I've done with my team. And it's more of a commentary on my team than it is advice. Okay. Um, and so that's on manonthepost.com if you like what you hear um, and you're fancy giving us a review on iTunes all reviews are gratefully received as it helps push us up through the uh, the iTunes charts somehow um, so please we do with that we rece- uh, gratefully receive any feedback or advice or anything like that you can tweet us at manonthepost like I say uh, and all that remains to be said is always remember to keep your man on the post man on the post